I'm in a series called Charismania, and, and uh, it's the third part. It'll last a few more weeks. But the whole idea, if you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. There's also an outline in the bulletin you can follow along with. If you want to take notes on your cell phone, I encourage it. Just if I catch you texting, we'll, we'll take your phone and, uh, and, and do something bad with it. So uh, what else? Oh, that's all the intros. Yeah, everybody doing good? And if the weather's beautiful, anybody going to the lake tomorrow or anything? I hope, hope you have a great weekend, but I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, my whole idea of this charismania thing is just to, I wanted us to start with a blank sheet of paper. There's been so much, you know, when you think of charismatic or Pentecostal, you think of hair buns and snakes and tambourines. And, 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 and I just wanted us to start, let's see what the Word of God says. What, what does God's Word say? Concerning the Holy Spirit, particularly the gift of the Holy Spirit, is which we'll be talking about even more next week. And so just with a just with a fresh start of sheet of paper, I, what I've really tried to do is I just want to stir up a hunger for more. God, we want more. We want more of what you have for us. And, and, I, and I hope that's been communicated. And, and then I, I want to convince you of the Holy Spirit's importance. He's not a, not a ghost. He's not an it. He's a he. And that's so important because if you... If you don't relate to him as a he, then you can't have a personal relationship with him. And right now, he is the Godhead on earth that communicates with us. He's the one that lives in us and walks beside us. So like Jesus said, man, I got to go, but I'm going to send somebody that's going to be with you. It's going to even be better. He's going to be in you. He's the Holy Spirit. And welcome him and invite him and embrace him and love him and communicate with him and talk with him and learn from him and grow in him and, and uh, let him empower and equip you and touch you. And so that's what we've been talking about, what we'll continue to talk about. Our key verse today is Hebrews chapter 6. And, and note, they're not really sure who wrote the book of Hebrews. Many uh, give Paul credit for it, but whoever wrote it, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit and they wrote they penned the words as they were led by the Spirit of God. And he said, therefore, let us leave elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Let's just pause right there. God wants you to grow. God wants you to mature in him. He wants to build precepts upon precepts. But for that to happen, you've got to have a solid foundation. You've got to get past just elementary teaching. They're, they're building new homes in my neighborhood the first thing they do is they dig out and they, they lay the footers. And when they get the footers in there, there's always an inspection. And they can't do anything else until it passes inspection. A lot of you are stuck. You're not growing. The Word of God's not making a whole lot of sense. And you're just saying, man, I want to grow. And, and the, the reason might be is because you don't have a solid foundation and you've not got past elementary teachings. And you say, okay, well, what are the elementary teachings? What are vital for the foundation? And the writer lays it to us. He says, not laying again on the foundation of repentance from acts that leads to death. You know what that is? It's a salvation by works. Here's, a, here's an elementary teaching that you are saved by grace through faith in that, not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anything you do. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You can't earn your way to a right relationship with God. It's not what you do. It's what he's done. It's an elementary fact. Is Jesus paid it all. He did it all. You have got to receive him by faith. Another elementary uh, uh, teaching, is, it says, and of faith in God. It just means lordship. That Jesus just doesn't want to be your savior. He wants to be your Lord. Here's your foundation. 
Jesus is either Lord of all or not at all. You, some of you are trying to build on a foundation that's not found on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it's not solid. It's not stable. To be Lord, that means to be leader, to be last, to be the first voice and the last voice. That he's everything, that he has, he has the authority in my life. He is my Lord. He's my king. He's my leader, my ruler. It's elementary. But if you don't lay this foundation, you, you cannot move on into higher things. Instructions about baptisms. I'll come back to that in a minute. About laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead. Again, foundational that Jesus died and resurrected, just like he said. And eternal judgment, that there's a hell to, there's a hell to pay and a heaven to gain. That there, there is a reality. There is a life after this life. And what you do with Jesus will depend on where you spend eternity. But today I want to focus on this, this instructions about baptisms. Say, Pastor, I thought there was only one baptism. Many of us are very familiar with water baptism. No, there's three baptisms. And again, I want to lay it out for you in Scripture. I, I, don't, I don't want to be a Assembly of God church this morning. I don't want to be a Pentecostal. I don't want to be a denominator. I want to be a biblical teaching, biblical believing, biblical founded instruction today. Amen? So, so let's walk through these three baptisms. Here's the first one. It's the baptism into the body of Christ. Really what that is is salvation. We understand that. Maybe you just didn't know it was called uh, baptism. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, for, one, for by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. When you get born again, you get baptized into the, to the body of Christ. When I was 16, 17 years old, I was very religious. I was very legalistic. I kept all the rules, did all the stuff that was required of me as a good Christian boy, but, but I, I wasn't in real relationship with Christ. It wasn't because I never heard the gospel. It just it never, I guess, really took resident and root in my heart until one night, a Sunday night service, a group of men from Teen Challenge. Teen Challenge is, is a place where men would go to, to recover from addictions. They'd be discipled in the things of the Lord. And, and they would go church to church, sing some songs, and share their stories. And the men would get up and say, man, God delivered me from 13 years of alcohol abuse and 22 years of drug addiction and, and my wife had left me and my family had gone and, and God's rent put them back together. And I sat there with my religious, really hypocritical, pious attitude and pretty much declared I don't need Jesus like they need Jesus. And I've never been that bad and never done those kind of things. So I, all I got to do is just kind of follow the rules, and, I, and I'm okay. And it was at that moment that the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. He convinced me that my righteousness was his filthy rags, that I was no better than any one of those men up there, that my sin, the sin that I had committed, was, was to be penalized by death and, and damnation, and that Jesus was the only one that could rescue me and save me. And so I surrendered my heart to the Lord, and, and I asked for forgiveness for my legalism and my religion and my pharisaical attitude. And I said, God, would you come into my life and forgive me of my sins and, and be the Lord of my life? And at that very moment, I was baptized into the body of Christ. I was baptized, and we all potentially have stories of how, how God baptized. That's the first one. Here's the second one, baptism in water. And, and we're, maybe we're a little bit more familiar with that, but let me just clarify. You, you are not saved because you've been water baptized. 
Water baptism is not a means to salvation. It's a picture of salvation. Remember, I just said, you're saved by grace. Well, well, I got water baptized when I'm 12, therefore I'm right with God. No, water baptism. You know why you're water baptized? To follow the example of Christ. Christ was water baptized. Therefore, if he's our model, if he's our mentor, if he's the one we're pursuing and seeking after and desiring to be like, we'll be water baptized. Water baptism is a, it's, it's just declaring a new association. When you, when, you say, when you say publicly you go under the water, people often ask me, not often, but some, why don't you, when people get saved, why don't you have them come forward? Because I think the public declaration is at water baptism. Again, we can, I don't know, it's probably not even a real arguable point. It, I don't know if you can find it in scripture that an altar call is the public thing. Though we do the altar calls, public confession of a personal commitment is done at water baptism. It is an association of a, of a new, it's identifying yourself with Jesus. I like to call that the, it's the wedding ring of Christianity. When Angie and I got married, we said our vows for richer, for poor, for better, for worse, sickness and health. Till death do us part, we, we are going to keep ourselves for one another and for only one another. And after that, we, we exchanged rings. And, then the, and the purpose of the ring was to say, not now each of us are taken. When I, when I wear this ring, I'm declaring that I'm Angie's, that, 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 that I'm not available, that I'm not that I'm not dating, that, that you, you can't touch this. You probably would never want to, but you can't. You're saying, you just grossed me out. I just threw up in my mouth. Yeah, yeah, you, I'm Angie's. And I know I'm not much, but I'm hers. And when I wear the ring, I'm declaring that, 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 that I'm not available. I'm not, oh, I can't, I can't date. I can't, I'm not doing that stuff. And, and, you know, I don't go home and just wear it while I'm at home. And then when I leave the house, take it off and say, well, well, I just, I, I won't wear it today. And she asked why. Well, I just want to keep my options open. No, you don't do that. That's water baptism. It's just declaring. It's a new identification. It's a new declaration. It's saying I'm his and he's mine. And I've decided to follow Jesus. And if you've not been water baptized, I encourage you that's foundational. And not only is it that, but it's also, also a way by faith to bury your old name, man. When you're baptized in the body of Christ, you're made new. Old things pass away. Behold, everything becomes new. New purpose, new focus, new heart, new, de new desires, new will. But what happens is that old man doesn't want to let go. It just keeps clinging to you. In the Old Testament, it was done by a circumcision with a knife. In the New Testament, it's a circumcision by water. It's a baptism. Salvation, I'm dead. Baptism, it buries the dead person and resurrects in newness of life. So water baptism. We will baptize the first Wednesday of every month. Again, man, why isn't the Bible making sense? Why, why am I still living with this same habit week after week after week after week? Why, why am I still struggling with the same things? Maybe you've not laid a strong foundation. Maybe you've not obeyed the Lord in water baptism. Maybe that's your next step so that, so that the Lord can build upon that. If you'll go online, there's a banner that says water baptism. You go there, you'll listen to a short lesson, fill out a few questions. We'll be in contact with you. And Wednesday, the first Wednesday in June, we will we'll take care of that. We'll water baptize, not as a religious experience, but as a, as a command and obedience to the, to the word of the Lord and by faith bearing that old man. But there's a third baptism. It's the baptism in the Holy Spirit. 
you, you no, no, there's only there's only two. I get baptized in the Holy Spirit when I get saved. Well, not according to Scripture. And again, we're looking to Scripture, and we're not leaning on our tradition. We're not thinking about what somebody's told us. We're not even thinking about what we've read in some book. We're looking to the Word of God. This baptism in the Holy Spirit was so important that it's mentioned in all four of the Gospels. That doesn't, that's not, all, all events are not mentioned in all four. There's a few things that are very important, not, that, that really needed to be communicated. And so Matthew mentions it. He says, I baptized with water under repentance, but after me, and this is, John's talking, Matthew's recording the event. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was so important, it was, re it was repeated again in the Gospel of Mark. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. It was so important that it was reiterated in the Gospel of Luke. John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one who is more powerful than I will come. The, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. It was so important that it's again recorded in John's Gospel. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The one who, who the Spirit came down and remained on was Jesus. It was his water baptism. John is saying, Jesus is the one who is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, so we've, got this, we've got this baptism into the body of Christ, which makes you new, which causes you to be a new person. The baptism in water, which allows you by faith to resurrect and walk out this newness of life. And then this baptism of the Holy Spirit that gives you the power to live a victorious, overcoming, abundant life, that, that bold life that God desires. And, and I just want to show this to you all throughout Scripture. I can't, I can't show you everyone, but I'm going to show you a lot. And so, again, if you're taking notes, jot these down. If you come to Acts chapter 2, it's the first. Uh, today is the day of Pentecost. I don't, I don't know if you realize it, but today is the day the Jews celebrate the day of Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover, today. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit of God was poured out. Remember the 300 were in the upper room? They were going after God. They were in a spirit of worship and praise and prayer. And the Spirit of God descended and came upon them, tongues of fire on their head, a rushing wind that blew through the room, and they spoke with tongues as God gave them the utterance. Everybody in the city heard what was going on, saw the commotion. It baffled them. What, these people are drunk. What's happening to them? But here's what got them. They were declaring the wonderful works of God in their own language. So these foreigners were speaking a language that these people understood, and, and they were they were amazed and in awe of it and declared, what's going on? And so Peter stood up and he, and he shared, this is what happened. It was prophesied by the prophet Joel. And what you've seen is, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But let me talk, take you back to Jesus, the one that we just crucified. And, and he's the one that's the forgiveness of sins. And after his sermon, his dialogue, they, they say, they say what, we want what you got. But when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Who cuts people to the heart? Who does that? Holy Spirit. You cannot come to Jesus if the Holy Spirit doesn't lead you. The only way you come to Christ, it wasn't by great worship, it wasn't by good teaching, it was by the Spirit of God convicted you and drew you. They were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? We want this. We got to have it. 
So Peter lays out the plan. For lack of better words, the formula. One, he says repent. Repentance is always tied with salvation. Repent so that you could be born again. They, they tied to the two. So that's the first. Baptism of salvation. And be baptized. That's water baptism. Every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And, and, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want, I want you to get saved. I want you to get water baptized. And I want you to get the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, I thought I got to get to the Holy Spirit when I got saved. No, not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, you get the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit at salvation. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit who comes to live inside of you. But there's another work of grace that God wants to do in your life. It's an endowment of power. It's, 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 it's what you need to live overcoming and victorious. It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, who is it for? Is it just for those guys that were at the book of Acts? No, the promise is for you and your children and all who are far off. It's for every generation that has come after these generations. For all whom the Lord God will call. We see a salvation, water baptism. We see a baptism in the Holy Spirit. Again, we're talking about just elementary. You can't even... According to the author of Hebrews, you can't build on a, on a shaky, shady foundation. And so let me, foundational stuff in, in Acts chapter 8. Let me, let me just give you the, the context of what's going on. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen is martyred for preaching about Jesus. The first martyr of the church. He's stoned to death. And at his stoning, the apostle, the, the four, Later would become Paul. Paul was there. Then he was known as Saul. Am I confusing you or are you getting this? Saul was there and, and, and he was watching over this, this really this execution, this stoning. And at that moment, the persecution of the church just intensified. I mean, it heated up to, a, to just this ever losing jobs and, and really losing people, losing their lives and, and getting thrown in jail and getting beat. I mean, persecution is just at a height. And so the church scatters. Instead of being one body where they could easily be found out and easily be messed up, they scatter and they start going to different parts of that known world. But they're going in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit. And so they're going with a purpose. And this is what happens in Acts chapter 8. But when they believed, Peter, uh, Philip gets to Samaria and he's sharing the good, good news and he's seeing people get healed. He proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. And they were baptized, both men and women. So they, they, they believe in God. They get saved. They get water baptized. And when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. I, I don't know how they did it. They didn't have cell phones. I don't know how the technology, I don't know. But they just let them know, Peter, John, man, we got these guys down in Samaria. They believe the word of God. They've accepted Jesus as their savior. They've repented of their sins. They've been water baptized. You got to get down here and you got you to gotta help them with their next step. What is their next step? What do they now need? And listen, in this, in this story, days don't go by. Years don't go by. Months don't go by. I mean, it's when, as soon as the apostles, Peter and John, can get there, they arrive. And they prayed for new believers. And it's important to underline the word new. These were believers. Why pray for a new believer to get baptized in the Holy Spirit? 
Again, I thought he was. No, not according to Scripture. There's another something that God wants to do in your life. That they might receive the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit not even come on any of them yet. Even though they were saved and water baptized. And so this is what happens. They simply have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them. And they received. They, all of them, not some of them, not a couple of them. All of them received the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. Paul, formerly Saul, gets saved. He's an apostle. It just means pretty much a church planner. He's got this apostolic leadership gift on his life. So he goes from place to place, starting churches, encouraging churches, raising up leaders. He, now, we are, we are, we're years removed from the outpouring in Acts chapter 2. Years have gone by. Now we're in Acts chapter 19. Peter gets to that, to that city. I'm sorry, Paul gets to that city. Let me read it to you. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples. What, what are disciples? They're followers of Jesus Christ. They've been born again. He finds this little church that's meeting together, and he asks them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Many of them went to the church you went to when you grew up, and they answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. What do you mean? Oh, that was supposed to be funny. I don't know. Man, this is, a, this is a rough. You guys are awesome. I love you. So let's just go on. You're just, you're just taking it all in. <laughs> Shoo. No, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, and what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptism of repentance is salvation. Baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They were water baptized. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Next week, I'm going to get into what it means. Speaking in tongues. What's that all about? And there were about 12 men in all. All throughout Scripture, you see, I mean, our, if, if our model is Jesus, let's look at the life of Jesus. Was Jesus born again? Was he baptized into the body of Christ? No, he was the Son of God. He was the only man that never sinned. He didn't need to be saved. Was he water baptized? We, we know the answer to that. Yes, Matthew 3 tells us that Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and, and, and you come to me. There. John's just saying, hey, this is a role reversal. You need to be in my place. I need to be in your place. Jesus says, no, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do this, to fulfill our righteousness. And so John consented. Jesus was water baptized. If for no other reason you get water baptized, you say, well, I just don't want to come out of the water. Somebody's going to see me. It's going to be embarrassing. It's, I'm too afraid. I'm too fearful. I mean, for no other reason, just if I was going to model the life of Jesus, I would get water baptized. It's so important. It's foundational in your walk with Christ. It's, it's not a means to salvation. It's a picture of salvation. And it's something that when it happens, God can begin to build on and continue to grow you and mature you. But then you say, was, well, was Jesus baptized in the Holy Spirit? And the answer is yes. You just look at the next verse, and I'll give you some more. But it said, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that very moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. The Spirit of God came on him. 
And a voice from heaven said, This is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Well, I thought Jesus just did all his miracles and all his powers because he was the son of God. No, you remember in Philippians chapter 2, it says that Jesus emptied himself. The Greek word is kenosis. It means that he, he gave up his rights. He gave up his divinity. He set it aside for a season so that he could come to earth. He became one of us. He, he was formed in appearance of a man. He was found in fashion as a man. That's why he cried and he wept and he hurt and he suffered and he felt pain and he felt anguish. Why? Because he was just like us. He needed that. He, let, me, let me again prove it to you. Don't take my word. Acts 10, 38. You know of Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power. He had to have a, he had to have a baptism of the Holy Spirit so he could fulfill God's purpose and fulfill his mission and how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed uh, by the devil for God was with him. So we see even in the life of Jesus, we see him getting water baptized and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit. Why wouldn't you not want what Jesus had? I'm just, I'm just trying to convince you it's not, or, it's not an or, it's not mystical, it's not goofy. It's not hair buns and snakes and tambourines. It's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It's an empowerment for service. It's an ability to do things that you can't do on your own. It's a, it's a supernatural endowment of power so that you can be and become and, 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 and do all that God intends and desires. And it's so much more because Jesus said, look, you know what I've done? You're going to do even greater things. And I'm telling you, those greater things are not going to be done in our own power, in our own mind. They're going to be done as we yield to the Spirit of God and we're open to His presence and His infilling and saying, Holy Spirit, power, use me, fill me, anoint me, equip me, and send me to accomplish the purpose that you have for my life. For my life. We often say the last words of Jesus were to go into all the world and preach the good news. And, and that's, not, that's not the last words of Jesus. The last words of Jesus, he said in Luke 26, and then he says it again in Acts 1, and I'll repeat it to you. But he said, don't begin your ministry. And you say, well, I don't need this because I'm not in. That just counts me out because I'm not in ministry. Friend, you are in ministry. You are a minister of reconciliation. You are called to be salt and light. There's no such thing as sacred and secular, as holy and, and, and there's no such thing as, as the priest. We are all priests. We are all declarers of God's good news. We all have a ministry. It might look different, but you are in the ministry of God. That is your calling to minister, to be a priest, to, to, to represent God to people. And Jesus said, look, don't even begin your ministry until the Holy Spirit descends on you. You won't accomplish anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said in Acts 1.8. Last words before he descended back to heaven. On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water... Can, can I just ask you a question? Who's he talking to? He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to, he's talking to his followers. He's talking to Peter and John and James. And he's talking to those guys that have been with him, walked with him, uh, are about to give their life for him. Don't, don't, don't leave. Don't. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you believers, I know you've trusted me, but I've got something more for you. You're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. It's a baptism of power. If you look at the Old Testament, you remember the Old Testament always points to the New Testament. 
I want you to read the Old Testament with the filter, with the lens, that this is a type or a picture of what is to come will be fulfilled through Jesus. Jesus said, I didn't come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill the law. And so when you read and you study and you look at the Old Testament, it paints a picture of what's to come. In the Old Testament, they had this, what they called the tabernacle. It was this really portable church. They set it up, tear it down, move it all over the place as they wandered through the desert. And, and, uh, and that tabernacle had a tent or it had a, 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 like a, a leather fence that went around it. And you would walk through the gate to get into the gate. And at that time, only the priest could enter. But there was an outer court. There was a holy place, and there was a holy of holy place. And it was in the holy of holies where the priests would go to minister to God, and, 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 and since the, that's where the presence of God dwelt. But when you would walk through that tabernacle, you'd come to the first piece of furniture was an altar. And at the altar is where the sacrifice would be made. It was at the altar where the blood of the bull or the goat or whatever you brought would be sacrificed to the Lord. The blood was spilled because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. It was a picture of salvation. It was a picture of the baptism into the body of Christ. When you went a little further, there was this thing called a laver. When, when I've looked at it, it almost looked like a little bird bath. And it was filled with water. And the priests would get over and they would just wash themselves with that water. And it was, it was just symbolizing a, a place of purification. I can't go dirty into the presence of God, so I'm just going to get purified. And what it points to in the New Testament is water baptism. And again, let me just continue to stress, water baptism is not a means for salvation. It's a picture of salvation. But it's very important when in your walk with Christ. And then the last thing they would go through, that, that priest, as he would go into the Holy of Holies, is he had to be anointed with oil. If he went in without being anointed with oil, then the presence of God would strike him dead. He couldn't handle it. And so he would anoint himself with oil. And the, the oil is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was anointing the priest. And, and I'm just, that's a type of what is to come. God wants to save you. He wants you to get water baptized, bury and die to that old nature. And he wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And I, I'm just trying to stir something up inside of you. I'm trying to get you to understand what the Word of God teaches and just, and just begin to say, God, I do. I want, I want all that you have for me. That's why, that's why Paul said, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to sin. To be drunk with wine, intoxicated, under the influence. When you get a DUI, you're driving under the influence. So Paul is saying, hey, hey guys, don't, don't be under the influence of alcohol because when you are, it leads to foolishness. It leads to sin. And what are the wages of sin? It's death. It eventually leads to death. So, so don't go down that road. Instead, there's a comparison contrast. They understood what, what alcohol, how it influenced them. Instead, I want you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want you to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. I want you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And if, if, if drunkenness leads to sin, then the Holy Spirit, if you just compare and contrast, it's going to lead to life. You know what Jesus said? I want to give you rivers of living water that flow from your innermost being. I don't, I don't, want, your, I don't want your relationship with me to be stale and, and casual and complacent. And, and I don't want to be dictated by what's going on in your life. I just want these rivers of fresh I want this fresh anointing and this fresh grace to continue to be flowing in your life and out of your life and through your life. I just want, I want these springs of living water to bubble up in your heart 
causing you to, to just live with a sense of joy and a sense of passion and a sense of purpose and a sense of empowerment. I want to do that in your life. Well, you say, what is that? It's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a fresh infilling. Okay, well, how do I do that? I, I, I want it. I want more. I want more. Well, what do I do? Here's the first thing. Remove all barriers. All past indoctrination. All past thinking. Well, I saw somebody that said they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they did crazy, stupid, goofy stuff. And I don't want to be like that. Listen to me. The Holy Spirit is not goofy. He's not crazy. He's, he's the third person of the Trinity. He wants to do something special and powerful and purposeful in your life. And listen to me. We don't base our theology on experience or somebody else's experience. We base our theology on the Word of God, and our experience ought to line up with the Word of God, or it's unbiblical. So I'm, I'm telling you, what does the Word of God declare? And it says, be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So, so I'm just asking you, remove all barriers. In the book of Acts, it says, repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. Sin is a barrier to receiving all that God has for you. Make Him not only your Savior, but declare Him as Lord. Ask for forgiveness. Uh, commit your life to Him so that times of refreshing may came to, come from the Lord. Here's another thing. Just re request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Just open up your heart. Open up your mind. The praise team's getting ready to come back. And in these next few moments, don't put your pens or paper down. I might. I got a few more things I want to tell you. But, but I just want you to request the gift of the Holy Spirit. Here's what... Here's again what Jesus said. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? I can't tell you the number of people who say, well, I'm just afraid to ask the God for the Holy Spirit because what if it, what if I just get a devil? What if I get a demon? Or what, what if, uh, God's not going to do that. And that's why this very scripture was written. He, he's not going to give you something bad. If He's a good Father. He's a good God. And when you come with a repentant heart and a broken spirit, he's not going to despise you. He's not going to give you something that, that's fake or phony or false. He, he's going to give you something that's real and powerful and transformational. It's what he wants to do. And so you just, you just ask. You just, just ask him and then receive him by faith. Everything you get from God is received by faith. Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him, who pursue him, who go after him. I want God to reward me. Okay, what do I do? Just go after him. There's a, there's a verse in the Bible that says that, that worship him in, in spirit and in truth because that's the, that's the kind of worshiper that God seeks. Well, I can't find God. He's not close to me. What do I do? You just start worshiping him and going after him. You pursue him diligently, and he'll find you. He's seeking people that are hungry and thirsty and, and persistent in their commitment and their passion for Christ. He, he wants to do that. And here, here's the last thing. Just relate to him daily. We're going to ask for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, but don't stop here. Why? Because in 2 Corinthians, Paul said, the amazing grace of the Master, Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, and the intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit just wants to be your best friend. Say this. This is what he wants to do. He wants to just whisper in your heart, speak to your life. Say this. Hey, hey, don't say that. 
Hey, you don't understand this? Let me open it to you. Let me reveal it to you. Oh, you're trying to make a decision? Let me give you wisdom. Let me give you help. He just wants to be an in, intimate friendship with the Holy Spirit. Be with all of you. All, all I'm asking you, friends, I'm just saying, can we as a church and individuals, can we open up our hearts and our minds to what God has for us? Let's not settle for just a little. Let's just, let's just go after him in these next few moments. Let's give him our best. Let's diligently pursue him. And as we do, can we just say, God, fill us, fill us, fill us afresh and anew with your presence and with your power. Amen, everybody? Amen. Stand to your feet with me, will you? God, we want more. We desire more, Lord. We long for a fresh infilling of your spirit today. Lord, you did it on the day of Pentecost. You did it in Acts chapter 8. You did it in Acts chapter 12. You did it again in Acts chapter 19. It's been recorded in history, and I pray you do it again, Lord. Do it in us. Do it for us. Holy Spirit, we just open up our hearts. We open up our lives to you. We say, fill us. We say, empower us. Will you lift your hands with mine and you say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. We acknowledge that you're here. And we long for more of you. We long for more of you, Holy Spirit. We desire you. Empty us of the junk and fill us with all that you want. Fill us with all that you desire. In the last two services, we've asked or we've allowed, we've offered to open up the front. We used to call it an altar. It's where, it's where we would say, just step out and receive from the Lord. Because God always responds to faith. He always responds. You take a step. and I'll, I'll, He always rewards diligently pursuing and and so in this service as well, you just say, I just want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. I just want, I just, I don't want to be influenced by the world or anything in the world. I want to be influenced by the Spirit of God. I just recognize today that I need more of the Holy Spirit. I need Him in my life and I need Him in my heart. But Trevor and the praise team is going to lead us in some worship. And will you just step out from where you're standing and come to the front and allow, just allow me to pray with you, pray for you. God, we're hungry. If that's you, will you come? Come quickly. Lord, we're hungry and thirsty for you and your presence. Lord, we long for a fresh outpouring of your spirit today. We want more, Lord. Give us more, God. More, Jesus. More of Jesus, less of me. Lord, I want you to increase and me to decrease. Holy Spirit, I want to be filled to overflowing. Look, I'm praying out loud, but make it your prayer. God, I just want to be filled to overflowing. I want to be filled with your power and with your presence and your anointing. Oh, God, do it.